you're listening to Contains Moderate Peril, an independent podcast about games, movies, and popular culture. Written and presented by Roger Edwards. Hello, and welcome to the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, episode number 180. I'm Roger Edwards. Joining me on the show is my regular co-host, Brian, and we'll be discussing our return to the Lord of the Rings Online and how we're faring currently in the game. I'll also be discussing all things live streaming with two special guests, Jamie and Chris, a.k.a. Welsh Fox and Wolfie's Eyes. As ever, it's a packed show, so without further ado, let's dive right in. So let's talk about the Lord of the Rings online because last time we put out a podcast, Brian, we just jumped back onto the legendary servers that had been um, launched and we rediscovered the game and got enthused by the game. And then we thought to ourselves, I think both of us did this, that maybe it might be more prudent to just re-roll characters on our existing servers have the benefit of crap that you've got in your barter wallet that can enhance and improve your um, progression through the game. So we actually said cheery bye to the legendary server, re-rolled characters on um, Laurelin, our, our kin server, and effectively continued doing what we were doing, but just on the regular server. And we haven't really looked back, have we? We haven't looked back at all. It's funny because I remember our conversation was, what was the advantage of being on the legendary server? Or was there an advantage? Or what was the disadvantage, right? And uh, right after that episode, right after we recorded that, I, I'd logged on a day or so later, and you you hopped on, and we just got to talking. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just going to roll on your server because um, you know anybody who's been around for a long time with a podcast knows that I've always wanted to be in your ken and playing on your server, but I couldn't transfer my character to it because my character was in the U.S., right? Yeah. So for whatever reason, because I've stepped back from the game for a long time, I apparently don't have that attachment to my main quote-unquote character on the U.S. server. So I was able to re-roll. We had both rolled Guardians independently. We didn't know we were doing that. So we're kind of playing the same class, and it's a different class for both of us. And now I'm in your kin, and uh, we're both in the mid to high level 40s and uh, going great guns, actually, especially on the epic storyline. So it's been a lot of fun. It has. I must admit, it was a sound decision. I must admit, it also tied up with the fact that I bought the legendary bundle. So not only did I re-roll, I bought that very brief offer that Standing Stone Games had put out. So... I got a ton of Lotro store stuff free of charge, the subscription to the game for a whole 12 months, and effectively I've bought every single quest pack in the game and even got access to the quests in um, the expansion packs. But mind you, I'd already bought those anyway. So it's the, it was the nearest you could get to a lifetime sub. 
and I just thought, no, the stars are aligning. <laughs> I'm re-rolling a new character. I, I actually purchased a high elf, so not only am I playing a guardian, but it's um, a high elf guardian. And yeah, having an absolute great time. It's an immense pleasure to revisit the the epic story again. I'd forgotten how well written The Shadows of Angmar was. And it's also nice to be able to level up, but have access to all your cosmetic items that are account-bound, all the um, skirmish points that you've got, because once you hit level 20, you can start buying skirmish gear as an alternative to getting gear elsewhere. So I must admit, it was a very good call, re-rolling in this fashion and i'm very pleased that we did it yeah i think had we stayed on the legendary servers we wouldn't have had access to skirmishes and i've already done uh, epic battles a couple times just because i can right yeah yeah i just wanted to check them out again and see if they were any different they weren't but i would not have had access to that and some other things so the, the concept of the legendary server which had me so hyped is what got me back into the game but the reality of the legendary server um, had I stayed on it, would not have served well. So I'm I'm happy that after all these years, I'm finally able to be on your server, in your kin, with all these great people playing a character that I'm enjoying. You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. funny how life works, right? Like 10 years down the road, I end up where I wanted to be this whole time. So it, it's it's been kind of neat. Well, anyone who listens to this podcast and anyone who's familiar with my writing knows that when it comes to MMOs, I tend not to have multiple alts. I will try a few classes, but if I don't get on with them, I don't keep the characters. I purge them, as it were. I think the only game where I've got a fairly broad spectrum of alts is Star Trek Online, but that lends itself to that. And you get a very different experience each time you roll a character. With Lotro, I don't tend to have lots of alts, so rolling a Guardian and a High Elf was quite a big change for me. And because I was feeling sufficiently enthusiastic about the game, I decided to take things a stage further and do something that I've not done before, despite playing Lotro for over a decade. And I started crafting. It's still... Every time I see you in the game and you tell me you're crafting, I just start smiling. I can't believe you're doing it. It's never really appealed to me in the past. Initially, the, the lower tiers of crafting, it's, it's fairly easy to unlock and it's fairly easy to make stuff. But as you progress, obviously, you need a broader spectrum of, of ingredients and items. It's, it can get a little bit esoterical, but I just wanted to be able to make my own gear. So on my Guardian, I became a metalsmith and then I've got a 105 Hunter that I decided to make um, a weaponsmith. Mm -hmm. So between those two characters, I can pretty much make everything that I need at the levels that I'm at at the moment. And the advantage is I send out my 120 primary character to do all the resource gathering. So you can get the ore, you can get the timber and just farm it, process it, shove it in your shared vault. And I have discovered that crafting not only has the practical benefits of if you crit, you get good gear, but it, you get quite decent XP now, particularly if you equip some of the pocket items that the various expansions have given out over the years. 
So you then get increased XP, not just from monster kills, but also through crafting. So crafting has provided me with um, quite a lot of benefits. I, I think I gained about four or five levels just through crafting. Yeah, I think there was one day there where you told me you gained two and a half levels or something. Yeah. yeah. It was a lot. Because you get proficiency and then you have to get mastery in the, in the actual um, level of crafting before it unlocks the next one. And you can either make lots of armor or you can take the materials like timber and um, ingots and either turn them into shavings and then put them from shavings back into the planks again. And if you process backwards and forwards, you gain the XP, you erode the resource, but you then get the XP and get mastery in that craft. And I spent a couple of days where I spent hours and hours just burning through resources, but I got the XP and I also got the XP on my leveling of my character. It was, it was yeah. quite interesting, the fact that it, it made such a significant difference. What's really funny about all this, it kind of amuses me, is that Right when I rolled on your server, we talked and you said you wanted to be the metalsmith. And I said, great, I'll be the weaponsmith, right? Mm -hmm. And But you were ahead of me in levels. You had already started. And then you you switched that other character over to do all the weaponsmithing. I've hardly done any crafting at all. And I'm usually the crafter. You know what I'm saying? But uh -huh. it's, it's allowed me, and I'm okay with it. It's allowed me to focus on other parts of the game that I'm enjoying more right now. If, if I had to slow down... And, and although I have been keeping up with my crafting, I haven't done it in the same way. Um, I think I might be enjoying the game less. So I'm, I'm perfectly happy to have you making me weapons and stuff. I appreciate it. Well, again, returning to what we said initially, by rolling alts on the regular server, got access to a shared barter wallet. I've got a 120 Lawmaster who I've been playing for over a decade. He has bucket loads of skirmish marks so as you're crafting if you need any of the crit items you don't have to worry about going out and farming and seeing if they drop you just sod off to the local skirmish camp and you just buy them from the the, the, the crafting item barterer it's it's really a painless experience i mean so i'm experiencing crafting possibly at its best, because I keep on hearing from people who've been crafting for the past decade, it was not like this initially. It was such a grind. And, you know, for me, it's been, I won't say it's been a doddle, but it's been fairly straightforward because I've got this support network of my alts. Yeah, the, the old crafting, I'll tell you what was different about it. Do you know how, like, you have a prospecting? And you go in and you make shavings and then you convert the shavings back to bars and then you convert the bars to shavings. You just keep going back and forth until you level up, right? Mm -hmm. That that didn't exist. You <laughs> actually, you had to make gear and your gear didn't stack. So whatever free space you had in your bag, you'd fill it up with whatever at eight, eight points a, a pop and then you'd go sell it all to the vendor and then you'd run back and make it again. It was It took a long time, longer time to to gear up so it is substantially easier the way that they have it set up now also because quite a few people have probably had exactly the same epiphany as we had <laughs> there's quite a lot of new players starting on gil rain therefore if you wander around Bree, you'll see lots of people between level 15 and level 30 and you can now vendor this stuff. You're not going to make bank on it, but you, you make a fair amount of coin back. So it's not 
just a waste of resources just making gear and then having to vendor it particularly if you've got a few items that have crit you think oh fair enough i don't need this you check with your kin give them out to any alts and if you've got two or three pieces left over it's like off to the auction house i can make a bit of coin on that yeah and, and see i got lucky because you you clued me into the skirmish vendor thing and i had a character on your server i still do um from some years ago and i guess i had done a bunch of skirmishes because i have a bunch of skirmish marks so in if you ever wonder why I haven't bothered you so much for gear, it's because every three levels I go to the skirmish vendor and buy a bunch of gear. Because it costs like four, at the beginning it was four marks for a, each item, and I've you know when you have eighteen thousand marks or whatever I have, it's like who cares, right? Yeah, like I, I can have a full kit for 20, 20 or thirty marks. I mean, it's it's very very reasonable and it's it's good enough gear. It's it's gotten me this whole way. Although you've made a few things for me, which I appreciate there. The stuff you're making is better. It's better stuff, but it's just easier for me to go and spend a couple marks and get it. Yeah. I must admit it's a lifesaver because yeah. obviously the, the XP curve has drastically changed over a decade. It used to be a question of you played shadow of Angmar in 2007, 2008, and each zone basically covered about five to seven levels. And there was a very clear journey from zone to zone to zone, epic story, epic story. You never really ran into any major issues where you do now have a situation where the XP curve has been adjusted because of the free-to-play conversion. And then a couple of years later, they revamped the starting areas and then they've revamped places like Evendim and the North Downs and the Lone Lands. So you do find now that if you go hell for leather, you will out-level a zone, and you've still got possibly 50% of the quest hubs still yielding stuff that you might not want to do because it's effectively now grey to you. Mm -hmm. That comes down, doesn't it, to your playing type, your your playing style. Some people will just pick a zone and just work for it regardless. But I must admit, I have been moving around to pursue whatever is giving me the highest XP. Then I got sidetracked with crafting. Then <laughs> the Winter Festival started. And man, yeah. does that hand out. So it, it is quite interesting that you you can now effectively out-level a zone and, if you see fit, abandon it. But then you might have to go back if you want to do the deeds and stuff. I mean, how have you approached that? Have you been chaotic or have you been very structured in your approach? I'm actually trying to be more structured this time, although it's gotten a little chaotic. Um, I started out trying to do all the quests, especially in a starter zone. And then as we've gotten into the epic storyline, I'm focusing mostly on the epic storyline when I can. Um, it, but I wanted to try to do the deeds as I level because you can get XP for all that killing that yes. way. But it also turns out that by getting the XP for all that killing, it pushes me way past the level of the zones, zones at one point. So I've skipped North Downs entirely. Um, I've skipped almost all of Trollshaws, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm probably going to skip most of Misty Mountains. I've got a couple deeds there I'm working on today. So big, big chunks of the game I, I'm skipping, but I've seen them before, so it's okay. But yeah, dude, doing the deeds as I go, it's it's been a bit of a struggle. And I think at some point, 
I might stop doing that and just kind of do what you traditionally do, which is level up and then you go back and just do all the deeds because you can one shot everything. Yeah. Yeah. And that does have its convenience, etc. But as you said, you hit a very good point there. You've seen it before. You've played it before. You're familiar with the story. So you might feel a slight pang of guilt as you move on, but you, you know that you're not missing out. But for someone I think who's, who's new to the game, you fast pass now through the story quite quickly. The epic story is bolstered by a lot of the local quest hubs and they also feed into that story. And I think now the fact that you can blitz through this so quickly, it can leave potentially a new player a little confused as to what the hell is going on. Yeah, I could see that. And, and, you know, you and I have the luxury having experienced the game for all these years. We don't have to be in a hurry, do we? No. Because I don't see anything to be in a hurry for. I'm actually just enjoying the game right now. And I'm, I'm just, although I'm going kind of fast, I'm okay with that. That's just my natural pace, enjoying it. But boy, if I was new to the game right now, just the way it's all set up, it's, it's kind of wonky. I mean, it's, it's better. I remember... In the original game, Shadows of Angmar, around mid-40s, I ran out of quests. I didn't, I, I, I ran out of everything. And I didn't know where to go to find new content. Everything I could find was well above me. I couldn't kill it. And I ended up having to have whatever kin I was in at the time, one of my kinmates, helped me with some quests that were like, you know, red. That was all I had was red quests, you know, text which are way above you. And they helped me get to the point where I could continue the game because for some reason I just, I figured out a way to do it where I hit a wall. Mm -hmm. That doesn't happen now where like I'm, I've easily got quests. I could probably be level 70 or 80 if if I could get XP for all the ones I could find. You can't, but you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. There's just so many quests. I, I think it's probably that leveling curve that they tuned. The thing I've noticed is I'm now very deficient in rep because you move on for a zone, therefore you don't do repeatables, you don't do some of the tasks, therefore rep is not getting maxed out the same yeah. way as it used to be. I have taken the time out to look through my deed log and think, okay, I need that, particularly things like race and class skills. I don't want to miss out on those. So I've made it my business to get a couple of the ones that are wanted and gone to regions and just thought, I've got an hour here, I can farm this. And plus also because you've got the um, the gift box that you get that every so many levels you can click on and it will give you consumables. Every now and then you'll get a, a, a Slayer Deed boost if you're lucky. And um, that can make things a little better. No, I was, just, I was focusing on the, like the racial traits too and, and went out of my way to get some of those. I just want to touch upon the rep. I have a character on another server that's kindred in literally everything it's ever come across. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've always taken the time to do that. So this time around, I'm not doing that. I may go back if there's some reason to be kindred with some rep because it's something I want. But I decided why pressure myself when you're enjoying the game so much, right? Why turn it into a job? Yeah. So my whole approach to this thing is completely different from the way I've been playing for the past about 10, 12 years. Um, and for the way it is right now, it's working well because I'm just picking and choosing the stuff I like to do and that I'm enjoying and I'm just not worrying at all about those little things I don't like to do. Like if I'm not kindred with Bree, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Whatever. 
at this point. Maybe I'll go back and do it, but for right now, it's it's okay. I don't need to be kindred with them with anything right now. The other thing that seems very clear to me is there are certain facets of the game now that have become virtually redundant because the game now has a level cap of 120, and yet Shadows of Angmar was levels 1 to 50. I recently went to the Misty Mountains purely because the Epic Story sent me there, and you do three or four, five, six quests there, and that's it. You're then out, so you don't have to stick around longer than you need to. And all of a sudden, something went off in the back of my mind. Shouldn't I be doing something here? And I thought, what is it about the Misty Mountains? And then it suddenly, the penny dropped. At level 40, you start getting class um, quests. And one of them is the books. You pick up legendary books and you had to go to certain regions to fill the pages. I'm level 48. And I thought, damn, I haven't even started that yet. And I just thought, well, you're obviously not missing it because you're not impeded by not doing it. So out of curiosity, I went and did the Guardian quest, and that's the one where you had to go and get certain things like talons from bats and mandibles from spiders, and you have to go to Angmar, and you have to go to certain other regions and farm them. And and that suddenly reminded me that that was a very dull and tedious thing to do. So again, I went to the skirmish camp and just bought them all. Because you can buy them now, the, the lesser and the major items that you need, you can just buy them. What's what's the reward for doing that? Because I haven't done that yet. You get um, a weapon, a very, very major oh. weapon. Um, for the Guardian, it's a big hammer, um, a, a two-handed weapon, and it's teal. And then it unlocks the next tier where you then buy from the Guardian trainer the legendary books, obviously other classes buy their legendary books. And then in the good old days, you then went round and you had to pick up the drop pages. And I can remember back in 2007, it took weeks and weeks to get them because the drop rate was low. It's obviously not essential now because I haven't, I only just went back and started buying the books. And then I just happened to be in Risendale and I thought, why Sam Gamgee got a ring above his head? And of course, he's the inspiration for the Guardian. Uh, and I clicked on it, and then that then unlocks the books, and then it's like go out and get the pages. And it's like, okay, well, I'll finish a certain point in the epic story, then I'll go back and do those books. But obviously, it's not in, it's not causing me a problem through not doing them. I I remember the books and the pages and all of that. That was on a hundred at the time, but I didn't. I didn't realize it was all still in the game, I guess. I, I do remember vaguely there if you talk to the Guardian trainer and you you look in the store, you can buy the the whatever item it is that starts that or yep. there's something about that, some tome or something. So I guess I'll need to figure that out. It's it's at some point you'll get a, a quest. You go and see um a Guardian training, I believe he's in Nogland in Ered Lewin, and you know there you go you've got the choice you can either go to the zone and farm the items if that's what you want to do and if you just want to go for it quickly just go to the um curiosities um vendor in the skirmish yes. camp yes. but i must admit touching on what i said earlier because the game has been streamlined or if you want to use another word tinkered with <laughs> it does play a lot differently now and again i return to that point a new player might get a little bit flammoxed and bamboozled by it i'll, I'll give you a very 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 clear 
Example, if you play Hobbit or a human character, you end up doing your starter area as Archer. And you then have that Blackwold story. And when you're in the introductory zone, um, Amdir gets stabbed, Amdir the Ranger, and he's, it's a Morgul weapon, so he, he turns into a minor wraith. And then there is an Angmarim bad guy called Aogun who comes and claims him and takes him away. And he used to be quite a character in the game. He gets referenced by several NPCs. But they've changed it now. They've changed it now, and it's um, this character has been sidelined. So now when you get to the climax of the introductory quest, instead of Amdir being claimed by this, this Angmarin um, chief called Aogun, he gets taken away by Caldercob and a Cargill. Yet the cutscene that then plays hasn't been altered to reflect this change. So then you see him being led away by this other character. And you've got little flaws like that in it now. And, you know, I know some players don't even bother to read quest text, and that's fine if that's how they, they like to do their stuff, if that's their jam, cool. But I'm a person that likes narrative and I like stories, and, and you get these quite glaring omissions now and changes where you go, who the hell are you and why am I talking to you? And you can see how Turbine slash Standing Stone Games have tried to augment this because I've actually looked at screen captures I've taken of um, Quest Techs 10 years ago and compared it to the, the Quest Techs now. And they, they have tried to adapt and work around these changes. But I think there's just lots of things that have probably just slipped through the net and been overlooked and it's not that high priority for them. So um, I just find it interesting that um, if you're fairly au fait with the, the, the epic story, you can still keep up with it. But if you're completely new to the game, I could see a lot of people scratching their heads unless they went to the wiki read up on it and then the wiki will say this got changed in 2016 and then people will go oh that makes sense yeah i've, I've noticed a lot of the inconsistencies in the voice acting <laughs> where you'll you'll start some quests and they'll like some of them they they speak to you some they never speak to you some they speak the first couple sentences and then they just they go quiet it's just very <laughs> very inconsistent and spotty throughout the original game of what is voiced and what isn't. But um, I think it's always been that way. It's just for some reason it's really jumped out at me this time. Yeah, there are some inconsistencies. There's generic dialogue. Like when you click on an NPC, they will always say, how can I help you or something along those lines. And yet some characters, when they have lengthy piece of dialogue, have a bespoke voice actor. So you'll click on them and it'll be like person with a deep baritone voice. And then you'll return to them yeah. and you'll click on them and they say, how can I help you? And it's just like, why have you become Irish? <laughs> yeah. But it's, that is the thing that I think stands out the most, I think from Lotro that dates it. The fact that you get a line or two of voice dialogue and everything else is just, here's text, read it where, you know, Elder Scrolls online, it's all very good polished professional voice acting and it stands out that difference it really does stand out the the other thing that stands out to me and I don't, I don't know about you now i had a hunter which was very good at getting around yep and now i'm i don't have a hunter <laughs> and guardians are not very good at getting around i am running all over the bloody place i get a quest in rivendell and it sends me out to west troll shawls and I kill one thing, and I go back to speak to Elrond, and then I have to go up to the Misty Mountains and go back to Elrond. And 
what the heck? <laughs> this is not a modern MMO as far as the quest flow. Now, I've noticed that as well. My primary character, my lawmaster, um, is at level cap. And because I got rep with most factions, I have picked up return skills to everywhere. I think, yes. I think I've got about 30, and some of them are really obscure. And you think, why would you ever want to return to, to there for? You know, um, but I know I'm really noticing it. I managed to get unlock the race skill of the high elf so i can do a return to lothlorien which is yeah. very interesting because i haven't done moria yet i returned yeah. to lothlorien and i thought okay i'm now actually going to leave lothlorien i wonder if it's going to port me back to Bree because obviously i'm not a high enough level to actually step out of lothlorien into that intermediate zone between the misty mountains but no i could so I thought, okay. So I rode up to the back door of Moria. I'll bet it won't let me in. It bloody did. What? Yeah. I could then enter Moria through the back door, but every quest was greyed out, couldn't do it. Because you've got to do the starter quests, the, 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 the prologue. But I could pick up the stables. Wow. I couldn't. I couldn't use Mithril coins to go to the stables. I had to use my memory and ride. So I rode from the back door to the 21st hall and from 21st hall to the um, chamber of the crossroads and then to Durin's threshold. And then I came out at the Moria gates and then I rode down to, um, is it Ekag Dunan, the camp, the camp at the back? Came through the door. That, that well came through the instance opening and it wouldn't let me go back in so you can it's this is a little anomaly there just to just to for people's interest you can enter moria below level without doing the starter quest from the back door but you just can't do any of the quests but you could still kill mobs and get xp from them i'm surprised okay wait when when you go out of moria and this is when the expansion came out to get into Lothlorien, you had to earn some rep with them, or the archers would instantly kill you. Yeah, that got nerfed. You remember that? That got nerfed a couple of years ago. Did it really? Yeah. Okay. See, I never even, because I did the same thing as you. I ported there, and I didn't even want to leave because I thought I might get shot and just instantly killed like I did back when I played it. So I didn't realize they had taken care of that. I might, I might have to go play today then. But the thing is, fun to go in there. this is the thing, because it's a game that's been tinkered with. It's inconsistent. Because I've, yeah. I've bought a premium house so I can map to the Bay of Balfalas. And then you can ride to the edge of the housing instance and then go through the threshold and go, ah, will I now be in Gondor at level 48? And it's like, no, you won't, nope. mate. The moment you go through the threshold, it takes you back to Bree. So I was expecting exactly the same thing for Lothlorien. But no. And I just found it interesting. So I, it's really interesting. I, I rode through Moria, through the threshold, back into Eregion, picked up all the stables in Eregion, and then went back to Trollshaw, and then just got back on with whatever quests I was doing. How did you not get killed? I was very careful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, no. Well, once I got out of Moria, what I did was I used the Mithril coins to get from stable to stable. Uh. I see. Okay, that yeah. makes sense. Because having bought the legendary bundle, I got two hundred and fifty something mithril coins. 
Mr. Moneybags there. Yeah. So, um, well, it's always, again, this ties into the milestone skills. It's good to unlock all the, the stables. So I'm yes. not level 50 yet. I'm level 48. But I've got all the stables unlocked in all the shadows of Angmar zones and down as far as Aregion, which I think is useful. I'm tempted to do the same thing, but since I don't have any mythical points, I might just have to hoof it. Then at least buy the skill that max out your riding speed. So every I, I've, I've had that. Yeah, because then at least you've got a fighting chance of because you do you do aggro things when you're not supposed to be somewhere, and they follow you for a bloody long time. I think I have that skill on the, on that server. I'm not. I have to figure it out. We've touched upon how the XP curve has been seriously nerfed and i also mentioned about how when i started getting crafting i i just blitzed out the first couple of tiers of metalsmith so i got a heck of a lot of crafting xp there are a lot now of alternative means of leveling if you don't just want to do quest hubs and epic story you've got skirmishes you've got crafting you've got deeding and at the moment the winter festival if you just do 10 winter festival quests a day you get a substantial amount of xp don't you yeah i think it almost completely uses all the rest of it that you earn for the day yeah. which by the way they nerfed the heck out of that didn't they yeah because i used to earn like a barn you know like a whole level of rested xp and now you earn like uh, like 15 <laughs> percent. yes yes ridiculous i'm so disappointed Destiny points, that was it. I had to Destiny, I, yeah. I spent some of those, I admit. I think a lot of people, particularly some of the new players, might be totally oblivious of the Destiny points because it is one of those really old systems in the game that eventually yeah. got abandoned, isn't it? And Lotro is filled with systems that have been abandoned by the developers. But as you do quests, you get what are called destiny points and you build them up and then you can spend them on perks. You can increase your run speed. You can increase things like level of your armor. You can have a fixed period of maximum DPS or you can buy XP boost and you'll suddenly find a percentage of your bar will turn blue and you're getting double Light XP. Blue. Yeah. 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 True. Turns light blue, and you can do it up to five times, and then there's a cooldown on it. Yeah, and that's destiny points, but they just they just don't seem to promote it anymore. It's like, oh no, don't worry about that. Go and do this sort of thing. In, in fact, the only reason I remembered about it was because I leveled up at some point, and in the green or sorry, green in the dark blue text, um, you know, in the chat log. It said, you know, you got one skill point and 200 destiny points and this. And I went, oh, destiny points. I remember that. <laughs> and I had to go find it, you know. I've also been doing skirmishes every now and then when I just want a bit of a break. The skirmishes unlock as you level up. And if, in our case, you've got access to your barter wallet and skirmish marks that you've earned on other alts, you can pick your skirmish soldier and invest a heck of a lot of points into them. And for the first maybe dozen times that you do skirmishes, you don't even have to bother your skirmish soldier can pretty much take care of everything because you can make your skirmish soldier initially very, very OP. Yeah. Which is quite amusing sometimes just to watch some little dwarf run around doing it all and you're just sitting there having a sandwich. You know? uh, well, I have a healer, so she doesn't do anything. 
That's very interesting. Did you give any thought to doing something different or did you pick a healer just by default or did you pick a healer as your skirmish soldier after weighing up lots of pros and cons? Um, I decided to do it uh, this way for now because I'm used to it. Mm-hmm. I, I know what to expect and I know I know what it'll do. And, and my thinking is because I'm a, I'm a tank and if I have a pocket healer, there shouldn't be any issues in any skirmish that I've ever done mm-hmm. that I can think of. Um, having said that, once maybe I'm more used to the class, and especially as I get to the higher levels and it kind of settles down, we don't get as many skills all the time. Uh, maybe I'll switch to, I think you've got an archer yeah. or, or something along those lines, a, a DPS dealer. Once I'm confident that I can survive and I don't need the healer, but for, for now it's just more of a, you know, I know I'm going to want one. Let's do it. And that way I don't have to worry about dying. Although my first death in the game was in a skirmish. Yeah. Interesting. However, it wasn't my fault. I was in, uh, what's the very first one? Trouble in Tuckbrook. Mm-hmm. And there's this uh, little goblin that's burning um, into the the Hobbit home. Ah, right. Yes. Name. He's one of the encounters. It's, it's named with, with, with a G like it was like assumed height or something. Yeah. I don't know. And so <laughs> I, I, <laughs> so I don't know if I can know. And, and so, so I, 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 I see this pop up on my screen. The Gassoon tights over here, and I, I kind of remember from before. Oh yeah, I remember this dude. He's got fire and shit, right? And so I go running over there, and there's two of them. Not even joking. There's two of them side by side, but they don't have. They're not my level. Their level. I don't know. They're like ultraviolet with these big portraits around them, right? right. With millions of hit points. They were like um, epic level boss mobs, two of them side by side. A bug of some kind, <laughs> like like a massive bug. Yeah. Like like it must. I don't know how it happened. It's never happened since. I've come across the same mob. I've never had it, but it, there was just this one glitch, and I aggroed them by accident, and of course they one shot at me. That was my first death in the entire game. I'm so mad at them for doing that. Well, that's interesting that my first death in the game um, was early 40s, um, probably about 41, oh, 42, yeah. did an epic battle, got scaled up to 100. Okay. And it was when you're doing the epic battle and you get one of those um, side quests and it says, oh, yeah. the, the the orcs are trying to d- d- destroy um, a, a statue of Helm the Hammerhand. Go and just defend yes, it. I died on that. And two bastard trolls came out of nowhere and it's like come on guys let's go fuck their shit up and it's like guys and none of the soldiers there lifted a finger to hit me and i just got absolutely crushed by these guys in a matter of seconds it's just like well i ain't doing that again haven't died since then until there's an actual epic story where at the end of the instance you're stunned and you die you don't die in the story, but it's a way of terminating the actual story. So yeah. not that it counts the deathless title beyond a certain point, but oh, th- no. even if you'd be meticulous not to get killed, there will come a point when you do the epic story and you will die because you will be defeated as part of a way of terminating that particular instance. Yeah. And, and I don't, 
particularly mind dying in the game. It's, it's, you know, whatever, but what, what's interesting is the, the handful of times I have died that I can recall right now. One was the glitch, right. That we just talked about. Yep. And the other couple or three times were when I had the inspiration buff. So although that, or, or in an Epic battle, which does a similar thing, right. Where it levels you up. And I think when you get leveled up like that, sometimes like I, I was talking to you about, I was doing an Epic story and I had the inspiration buff, but I didn't feel like my DPS was matching my defense. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, like I felt like I was super like, like you couldn't kill me. It was almost impossible to kill me, but I could barely hit anything. It was very frustrating. Like I'm glad that they, they leveled me up so I could do that content and get through that quest because we needed it for the story. But it was just the, the, the offense buff didn't match the defensive buff and I could have used a little bit more offense and a little less defense in that case. So that, that was a little frustrating, but I think out on the landscape, I'm not sure I have died unless it's something where I'm not paying attention. I mean, we're tanks after all. right? Absolutely. Right. So that's where we are at, how we've been playing since the launch of the legendary servers and then how we elected not to stay on the legendary servers, but return to a regular server. So what are your plans for 2019? I mean, because it, it sounds to me from our little chat that we had before we hit the record button that you're having mucho fun. I'm having big fun. Um, I just had a two and a half week vacation. So I was able to log in every day, uh, which is kind of a luxury that won't be happening going forward. Um, but on my days off, I'll be playing. And if I have some time during my work week, I'll be playing. Um, I did. I, I have the luxury of having bought the um, the Lifetime many, 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 many years ago. And so I've had those Lotro points building up this whole time I haven't been playing. So I was able to get a premium house and some other things and also buy milestone skills mm-hmm. and uh, the, the, the travel cooldowns and, and just those little things that make the quality of life a little better. So... My plan for this year is to just keep going, but don't push it. So in other words, I, I'm having fun and I, I want to make sure that I continue to have fun and don't do what I tend to do, which is turn it into a job. Yeah. You know, so if I can keep doing that, my other goal uh, actually involves the kinship uh, game wise is I'm hoping at some point to be able to do some something with the kin. You know, so far it's it's been a wonderful social experience. It's actually really making the game even that much better for me. But it would also be fun to be doing things like we had that horse race once many years ago. Remember that? Yes. There, there was some horse race we did, and and the you know the the kin held it, and all these people could enter and stuff. And uh, everybody took me through the rift at one point because I'd never seen it, and I thought that was kind of cool. We got a group together, and I'm just hoping we do stuff like that. So, what are your goals for this year? Not to get bogged down in Moria and get despondent and abandon my character. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to come up with a strategy of some kind. Play Moria. If I start getting burnt out, take the character out of Moria and do other stuff. I just want to... Moria is a bit of a hump. I've played through Shadow of, of Angmar quite a few times. I'm quite familiar with Moria. Pre-revamp and post-revamp. I haven't touched Mirkwood, Ennardwaith, mm-hmm. Dunland, mm-hmm. 
Rohan for years. I just played through them once. And I must admit, I wasn't a huge fan of Enid Waith, and I wasn't a huge fan of Dunlin at the time. And I'm I'm very curious to go back there again and experience it a second time, knowing that there is stuff beyond it. And and just maybe I'll get more out of it this time. So I certainly just want to apply myself more to the game. I am a little bit concerned. I bought the Legendary Bundle, so I've got a year's membership. Once the subscription lapses, I've unlocked all content up to what exists in the game now. But I'm a little bit concerned about Daybreak Games. Um, the Sorry, the Daybreak Game Company, as it's called. They are more than Lotro's publisher. I think they are bankrolling um, Standing Stone Games. And they've done a lot recently. They've had a sale of um, content in DDO, Lotro. They've been selling all sorts of, you know, one-off deals and inverted commas for other games that Daybreak publish. And a lot of people think this reeks of a fire sale. Also, they've laid off some staff, so they might be trimming some of the fat in their company. I'm just worried that maybe they have might be deciding to exit because Daybreak is linked to other things and it's all sort of like venture capital. And you're talking about businesses that don't really pursue something because they have a massive abiding love for it. They pursue it because it makes them money. And the moment it doesn't become so lucrative, they'll quite happily take their assets, liquidate them, and put the capital into something else. And maybe it's just a question of they've put money into gaming at a time when it's made them money, and maybe now because the market is changing and consolidating, maybe they're just getting cold feet and thinking now's the time to move on. And I just wonder what will happen if... Daybreak Games decides to go elsewhere, how that will impact upon Lotro. So I'm just keeping an eye on that at the moment because I've just spent £156 buying this legendary bundle. If it takes me through to next December, a year's subscription would have cost me £107 and then I got 50 quid's worth of crap from the store. So if, if everything ticks over for another year, Fine, I don't. I won't feel that I've I've thrown money away. But if I suddenly found out this Easter that things were going to go badly for the game, I would feel aggrieved. So I'm a, I'm a yeah. little bit. I'm just watching the horizon at the moment. Still playing the game now. You know, I'm I'm going to play the game and 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 try and do as much as I can and and try and do things that I haven't done. I want to see if we can organise a chicken run because a lot of people haven't done that, and that's always immense fun. Oh, that'd be fine. It's nice. It's just nice to be playing a game again that you're familiar with, but there's new aspects of it to discover. So it's the best of both worlds as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and I think we're both doing it a little more casually than we have in the past. And that's a nice change of pace. I started blogging regularly in 2007. I've, I've always had a, a liking for writing per se, but I started writing about my hobbies, specifically video games and movies, regularly circa 2007. And 
that was a good time to do it. There was a large blogging community and I quickly found that and became part of it. Or if you listen to other people, bludgeoned my way into it. Podcasting was a natural extension from blogging because these were two mediums that I feel very comfortable with expressing myself through the written word and then through verbally. And then it was around about this time I was looking around and seeing the growth in YouTube and that, and at that time sort of live streaming coming onto the scene. And I thought that looks very, very intriguing. That's a, a, a very good medium to reach out and communicate with people. But um, I've, my flirtation with it did not go very well. I mean, I've got a few videos up on YouTube, which people can look at and it's like anything, it's a skill. And I quickly found that, um, when I was talking, I tended to neglect what I was actually doing in the video game that I was recording. Or um, if I focused on the game, I forgot to speak and it didn't particularly work out well. So I am fascinated by those people, those individuals that have taken to um, this medium like the proverbial ducks to water and um, have made this their um, communication platform of choice which segues nicely into introducing my two guests, Jamie, a.k.a. Welsh Fox, and Chris, a.k.a. Wolfie. Gentlemen, in a nutshell, what is the appeal of streaming to you? Well, for me, it's the immediacy, right? I mean, uh, there's not to say that there's no uh, lack of immediate contact in the days of social media, or even in blog comments sections, but... um, I don't know. It's just a lot more interactive. Um, so, you know, you've got a real direct and uh, instantaneous connection between yourself and the folks who are uh, involved in your audience, whether they're chatting or or even doing something as quick and brief as throwing a host or some bits or other forms of attention and generosity your way. That's, uh, that's one thing that immediately uh, drew me into it. Uh, another is the the association with, uh, lo- however loosely, with, with radio broadcasting. I did a lot of um, under-the-table just copy reading, nothing major. I wasn't, like, part of, like, you know, the, the iHeart radio network or anything like that. But at the same time, I did some some radio work under uh, under the table on the side when I was growing up, and, and it, was, uh, it was a lot of fun. I, I kind of wanted to sort of maybe pursue that at some point but things happen in such a way that it sort of diverted me so now so now i've got a little bit of that sort of uh avenue to express myself which i guess maybe why i guess the question one would come up with is why not do a podcast and maybe i will but as far as broadcast media is concerned i just i kind of can i kind of jive with a, a couple of things that live streaming does I kind of like the, like you would say, I love interacting with those who just want to see me doing just random things. And it's fun to have that interaction while at the same time enjoying a game in which you can all watch and enjoy and seeing people fail. I mean, I love to be the showman. I like to put on a show for an audience. And this sort of thing was just up my alley and it's just tickled my fancy and it's literally what you went to university for right pretty much uh, pretty much in a way but uh <laughs> i would say this is better than the education i had in university i would say 
because in university it was basically here's a small performance all right write a 3000 word essay on why you acted like this and what practitioner it's basically just taking out that written part and just going in and diving in and just basically having a hell of a lot of fun just being who you want to be entertaining those out there and just having a good time with it uh, that's very interesting because I'm picking up on this this need to perform and interact and communicate, and it's very much a two-way process. And as a result, it then leads to people coming back. They've enjoyed your live stream. They come back again. You then get to know the names of them. You might then hook up with them via other mediums, et cetera, using Discord or Twitter. And the next thing you know, you've, you're building a little network. You're building a community. How important is it to you guys? Absolutely vital for sure. There is, there's the, the, the best thing, the thing that drew me into watching live streams, uh, not necessarily is the game. I mean, obviously you watch the game and that's all well and good, but the people who are a part of that audience and the spearhead of the broadcaster and, and that sort of like that, that energy that they effuse and and draw other people of like mind to that's totally that's that's as far as i'm concerned that's mostly the point of streaming is this uh, foster that sense of community because there's a lot of there's a lot of communities out there that one could certainly term as vile or or acidic yeah. uh to say the least and having having this as a way to sort of, even if it's only in a microcosmic scale, like only a few people in your immediate sphere that you interact with, kind of having that way to, having an avenue to sort of foster those folks and let them know, hey, you know what? This stuff is fun. This is the kind of things that ought to be, you know, enjoyed and shared. And, and having that, I think, is is pretty vital, not just for yourself, but for the people who are watching. It kind of, kind of, just a cyclical Ouroboros of, of enjoyment overall. And I quite like it as well with the community. It's just like, it's not only just you knowing the people in the community, but everyone else as well. They can get to know one another and you build this friendship and trust in a way with this community that it does blossom and grow. And after a while, you just have this positivity knowing that Everyone is just getting along with each other. There may be some times in which, you know, there may be some debate, some negativity, but there's always going to be a positivity. And that's what I quite like about the community as well, is that you get to know one another and there's so much positivity as well in a community. It's fantastic. Now, you guys, I've seen you stream separately. I've seen you stream together. You, you cover a broad spectrum of games and they will obviously appeal to different people. So over time, I've seen that you've, you, you interact and spend time with quite a broad cross-section of, of people. Are you setting out to sort of cultivate a specific kind of community or is it a, a come one, come all sort of, we're just here for good fun sort of outlook ethos? Pers personally speaking, I just kind of, I feel like there's the, the, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, so to speak, or in this case, the the whiny child gets the pacifier, if you want to put it <laughs> in another way. So, um, so it's I just kind of like feel sort of a 
uh, I don't want to say a responsibility necessarily, but I guess a compulsion is probably the better word that um, I, to kind of like illustrate that, you know, this stuff is fun. This is goofy. You know, failure is enjoyable. Um, gaming is fun and, you know, just kind of spreading that as best as I can. I, I'm not trying to necessarily change the entire, you know, zeitgeist of the gaming community, but if I can try to help do a little something to improve that that perception, even just a little bit. I mean, even just to a few people, that's a significant success. Mm. I, I don't know if that's necessarily uh, growth-minded thinking, necessarily. Um, I hope you could hear my quote fingers curling there. <laughs> um, because, I mean, a lot of the times, you know, you have the impulse uh, to be an influencer mm. or to, you know, be like an ambassador for a certain genre or a certain game or something like that. So I kind of, um, maybe a little like, maybe it, we're, we're sort of hamstringing ourselves, but I kind of want to personally focus more on enjoyment in general than, you know, this one game is a lot of fun. For those out there who would stream on a certain topic, so anything that's like with Star Wars or Pokemon, and they dedicate it just on that, on that one particular genre and game, they have more dedication because if I was to try something like that, I would get bored of it after maybe the second stream and say, okay, we're going to do something else. Yeah, I agree. So I guess it's maybe not just a matter of being general fun, but also lack of attention span. <laughs> Also, from what I've seen, I mean, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, but you don't slavishly pursue certain genres. You don't seem to pursue competitive gaming. You don't stream to say this is how you stream to be the best of the best at this game. You guys tend to say we're playing this game because it's fun. It's entertaining. It's just at times it's, I'm playing this because it's just goofy and a bit silly. But it's done mainly as a as as a, a platform rather than the actual game you're playing is the sole focus of the, um, the, the the live stream. A lot of the times, I get the impression that it's um, to be honest, it, you could probably do your stream without actually playing a game. You could just get some paper <laughs> and, and 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 do some sort of um, written games or things like that. <laughs> People would still come along because it's about the entertainment the interaction the banter and, and just the general bonhomie and I, I feel that that's um just as important and just as attractive to viewers as those people that want to seek out very competitive gaming or or, or, or streams that show you how to do something and excel at something hmm. i agree yeah now we actually had kind of like uh sort of floated the idea of broadcasting some card games as well. There are a number of card games that actually a couple of them that would invite or incite audience participation. Um, but we don't really necessarily have the equipment to set it up. But yeah, if we, if uh, money, no object, you know, set up, not an issue, we totally would stream, <laughs> as you put it, pieces oh, of yeah. paper, so to speak, or at least pieces of cardstock. Um, because, you know, it's just the kind of, casters we are and that's not to infer that those who do focus on a single game or even a single genre are doing it wrong i mean i i stream for massively overpowered their optv and that's almost exclusively mmos and multiplayer games but i also try to kind of bring that 
and and the team itself, not just myself, but but MJ and Justin, they they uh, bring a lot of variety as well. I mean, yeah, we we kind of fall into that genre or subgenre, but there is a lot of different titles and a lot of different interests, and we kind of spread it around. So that's I I think variety is totally the spice in that regard. The majority of it being as well, not only just being the game itself, it's knowing that if you're having fun with streaming. That's where it all lies is if you enjoy streaming and just having a good time and you find it so amazing and, you know, you want to keep going because it's fun. That's where it is that I find. I enjoy streaming because it's fun. I love to stream. and You know, it's not always about the video game. It's just having fun, having a laugh. Your audiences, from what I've noticed, is you get, quite a lot of regular people who seem to be quite well known to you is it a question of you knew these people beforehand or have you literally built up your relationship with a lot of um, the audience just purely through the streams uh, it was pretty much exclusively through streaming actually um a, a grand majority of the people i know digitally uh i never met before uh streaming um there was actually uh, somebody who uh, who visits our stream uh, regularly? A individual by, goes by the name of Mattman. He mm-hmm. uh, came to our streams just on his own, and we just kind of like cultivated a friendship. And um, you know, jump ahead of a couple of years or a year and a half or so, and he's you know leading my husband around Boston, the city of Boston, taking a tour with him. You know, just kind of showing him the sights. It's that, that sort of stuff. Just never would have even cross my mind as as something that would ever happen yeah. but it's it's a wonderful byproduct uh, so yeah it's i'd say about 97% 98% of the people i've met have or i interact with and remember is purely through the stream pretty much as well the same with through the stream and also as well for being part of uh, going back with communities with other communities as well just talking and building a friendship and relationship with these people in which are so freaking fantastic and so well they're all to be respected they are fantastic they give the motivation and the positivity again and for them just to be from one community to come over to another and then come to watch your streams to show support and love is i don't know it's really hard to put in words with that one it's it's a deeper form of networking. Yeah, really. I mean, because you kind of join stream teams, or you or you like interact with people through live streaming and their chats and stuff like that, and you just kind of like bounce back and forth. And and it's it is a form of networking, but it's not the impersonal sort. Like, here's my business card, toodaloo. You know, it's it's yeah, it's a lot more interactive. It's a lot more direct and a lot more personable in general. Absolutely. Now. I'm a man of a certain age um, from a very specific socioeconomic group, and you can tell by my accent where I'm probably from. So, therefore, I have a lot of baggage. Um, <laughs> you said yeah. it, not me. <laughs> no, but we are. We are very much, I find, sometimes products of you know the era that we grew up in. And for me, one of the things that makes me personally reticent about dipping my toe into live streaming or, you know, cultivating a YouTube channel and putting out regular videos is um, privacy. I know it's not mandatory, but one of the great personal aspects of streaming is you're putting yourself 
in the actual center well not physically in the center but you are present in um what you are doing and for me that's a very big step that is a very very big step how do you guys feel about um privacy issues because i come from a generation where i'm i don't even think there's a great deal of photographs of me personally in circulation so people know me through my work my writing but I don't feel the need to put a photograph of myself there because, hey, why encourage people to throw rocks, you know? Um, <laughs> or, or, or does that not bother you guys? I mean, how do you feel on issues of privacy? The fact that you are giving quite a lot of personal information out there. When you stream, you are very much a question of bringing people into your home. Um, well, personally speaking, I, um, I, uh, I think... Uh, the trick is to not be very big. <laughs> oh, yeah, pretty much. Don't just come out and say, hey, welcome to the show if you like what you see, and here's my address, here's my zip code. Come on in. I'll put the cattle on. <laughs> no, it's... it's and, and when I say it big, of course, I'm not. I'm talking about, like, everybody knows about Ninja and stuff like that. So that's yeah. what I meant. But that was a, more of a joke that kind of belly flopped. Yeah. But anyway, no. Um, so, so speaking of age, um, you kind of because you bring up being of a certain age, and I feel like I, I th am different than my husband in that. Well, I'm older than him, um, and uh, you know, there, there was I never really dreamed of seeing social. So the idea of social media never even, not even in film, uh, when I was growing up, was ever a thing. Um, I mean, I don't remember there ever being anything in Blade Runner where people were, you know, crapping at each other or trying to dig up dirt on one another through a, a, a feed like Twitter. So, so, I mean, it was kind of, it, it never really crossed my mind that there would be a lot of impulse to share. Mm. So there's like a, an implied social contract between yourself and the people that you you put out what you put out and and uh, there is your personality out there and I say personality as opposed to a a, a form of your personality or a, like a cartoon character because there's there's a lot of impulse there to act like a grander louder sillier version of yourself and I vehemently disagree with that and uh so so i kind of it's it's a weird thing to parse i try to balance being entertaining but at the same time presenting myself and it's not really something i ever grew up with i mean we kind of i was the kid that got beat up i had you know i still have giant freaking glasses i I was the sort of outcast for years and years in school and so making that as something marketable is very odd where I, I believe, and I'm sure Jamie will pick this up. He'll mention that he kind of grew up with this sort of thing his self. So, I mean, he kind of experienced that on his own. Yeah. In a different way. I mean, for me, when it comes to the privacy sort of thing, you know, there are times in which I will be, if I'm on stream, I will be direct and honest and I will say, you know, Guys, just a heads up, this may be a small stream because, you know, this is, you know, something going on with my life. I may have a mental issue or anything, but I wouldn't go into the fair details to say this is what's happening with my life because that would just lead to trying to build sympathy points in which I'm not trying 
to do or anything like. It's more of, yeah, basically this is what my life is like. You know, there are times in which I will brush it off. I will be a positive sort of person. I will become this positive. But there will be times in which, you know, I could say something or I'll just say, you know what? Let me just dip a little bit in the privacy person. Just put it out there to say this or that. Well, the thing is, though, you share a lot of yourself, too. I mean, you have been for far longer than I have. In a way, yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah, because you've been um, vlogging, doing a video diary for, what, something like seven years? Uh, eight years, actually. <laughs> and and again, sort of the, the, the privacy issues there, because unlike the written word where you can write, ah, I had a shit day at work today, my boss is a complete jerk off twat bastard Nazi it. <laughs> and then you oh, can then stop and think I will edit this um, if, if, if you're going to record something uh, on video um, you might not feel disposed towards copiously editing afterwards so that means you've got to have a fairly strong character to make sure that you don't say anything too controversial if you've had a particularly difficult day or something oh well I could honestly say with the vlog inside of things that uh I have had a couple of days in which you know, I come home from work, I will grab the camera and I will speak my mind. The beauty of it is as well, the majority of people, I know where the filter is because I think, wait, one or two people from work may have watched this video and they may go around, they may go up to the boss and they may, you know, just stab me in the back and just sell me out like that. You know, so I know where a limitation is and I'll try and edit that out in post-production but there are some days in which where i see other vlogs and stuff which are always keeping in a positive way trying to do this 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 and this they try to go to different locations the one thing that brings to mind is okay but you have the money for this where some people like myself may not have the finances to do and i would rather speak what's actually on my mind than try and always play as the fool i would like to talk about my own personal issues or anything like that, and I will talk about it directly into camera because I find it's a beauty that you can vent via blogging, vlogging, streaming, anything like that. You just get this load off your chest, and you're not just sharing it to like one person, you're sharing it to hundreds, thousands of people out there all over the world, and you know, people can watch and they could think then you know what i feel the same like this person so they don't so they know then that they are not alone in this world and stuff there are other people out there that still feel like down depressed or anything in between like that that's a, a very interesting point actually because there's this sort of unspoken sort of mindset pressure that if you are going to record the daily events of your life or show events in your life, be it via video diary or be it Instagram or Facebook, there is this sort of culture of, I have to present the best possible thing. I have to go out and do something exceptional and then post it because I'm competing against people. Mm -hmm. I actually think the approach that you're taking where this is my life, this is my work, this is me having a meltdown in the grocery store because I can't get the pasta that I want or, or whatever. I, I think in some respects that's a lot more honest and it has an inherent appeal to a lot of people who are living 
a very similar life because life is mainly moments of joy punctuated by the arbitrary and sometimes even tedious. It's funny because I actually, personally speaking, I think that he is significantly more talented if he was to actually produce stuff as opposed to hold a camera at his head. Yeah. But at the same time, I mean, it's it's his thing, and I am sure as hell I'm not going to step in his way. That's what he's been doing for eight years now, and I mean, that's... No, you... I was going to say, you mostly step on the side of the camera, lick my face, then run well, off camera. That, but that was that was a while yeah. ago. But anyway, no, I, I, yeah, I, I mean, when I was when I'm on the vlog, I do tend to act kind of goofball, um, but it's it's still an honest form of goofball tree, and oh. and I've seen the stuff that that he's done, um, beyond his his vlog where where he like sits down and does like the usual quote fingers youtube thing where he like has like a, a topic and he does some edits and stuff like that because like there was a couple of videos that he did called there i said it that was basically like an opinion sort of like a video op-ed and hmm. i thought those were extremely entertaining but at the same time i mean there's i suppose there is something appealing about you know kind of showing the day-to-day -day drudgery it's it's something i've yet to really really process myself so he can definitely explain the whys and hows better than i could i think uh it's mainly i i found personally it's mainly on my motivations to actually sit down and put something together so like you said with the there i said of videos yeah there are sometimes went back in university that i would just have a dull day there's nothing to do and i think oh wait maybe i could just talk about this 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 and this i would plan it out do a day of recording and then just sit down and just work in a sense of I don't have to worry about anything else. I could just put this together in my own time, have a laugh, and just go crazy with it. Nowadays, it's with videos where, with my vlogging, where I will talk about my day. It's the same old, same old. I'm like, all right, fair enough. I'll put the clips together, da, 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 slap a date on there, and put it onto YouTube. I could go into great detail and make it a better video, a better quality but again, it's the motivation because many things can come up. It could be mental issues. It could be work issues, financial. So it's a mixture of all those. And I can definitely say mostly with work, with the schedule that I have with work, by the time I wake up in the morning, I go to work. And by the time I come out of work, it's around eight o'clock at night and I'm sitting in the house. And I'm like, I don't really want to do anything and just crash. So there you have it, a peek behind the curtain. He's not uh, trying to show the day-to-day, -day not just to kind of uh, express that other people have the same sort of issues, but also because it's really a lot of fucking work to push. Pretty day. much, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It is just basically camera, face, hi, bye, Ooh. crap day, clop. I want to touch on something that usually people don't want to talk about, but I think, I mean, I think you know, it's fair to do so. You have a lot of fun on your live streams. There's a lot of banter. There's a, a, a lot of interaction. And, and in general, it's upbeat. It's also a way of bringing eyes to the pair of you and saying, well, not saying out loud, I'm also available for panto, but it's also a way of promoting yourself because, you know, I know Jamie... <laughs> voiceovers, um, voice performance is something that you wish to do more of and obviously yeah 
and that's that horrible phrase, you know, we're all our own brand now. But the great thing about live streaming is you've then got your portfolio of of work where you can say, and this is me interacting and working a crowd. It's It's good marketing, isn't it? It is interesting. And I will point out there as well for anyone else who's listening, I am available for Panto. I will be the DM. <laughs> I'm happy to be the DM. Slap on the chest. <laughs> peasants. I am more than happy to do that. I haven't done Panto in over 10 years. I'll be happy to go back to that. <laughs> Need to work on your widow twanky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there, there's that brand thing again, but damn it if it isn't just sort of an inherent thing with being a creative individual nowadays, especially in this digital world. You know, you kind of, there is, there is, and again, it reels back to the whole compulsion of being a character, which I don't agree with. I, I will certainly be, you know, a bit, la- just a bit louder. I will crank up my personality a tiny bit because, you know, you're on camera, you're on stage, so you have to kind of perform a bit, but it's not. It's not just all nonsense and noise. I mean, you kind of have to sort of balance, uh, finding a balance between, you know, being honest and true to yourself while also being something that people give a damp toss about to watch. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's, there's, a there's a benefit to that, especially if, you know, people enjoy what you do and find it in their hearts to actually want to investigate more and and that's which is incredibly generous and kind it's it's not the be all end all and certainly not our uh, and i think i could speak with both of us but it's definitely not our final and ultimate motivation we're not trying to be stars we're not trying to be you know we're not trying to be megalithic no, you know no, streamer no. you know headline of twitch you know nonsense like that we're just if it happens, outstanding, and maybe this is me being bad at being a brand, but I, I never. It's it's a. I always find that to be a, a tertiary sort of effect, as opposed to the primary, even secondary goal. Hmm. I just find it for the fun. I just like doing this. Like I said before, I love doing it for the fun, and also as well to do it with someone, not only via online, but also who sits next to me on the sofa. And just has a laugh, and we just goof around. That's the beauty. I love. And if somebody watching happens doing. to like what he does and wants him to do something, hey, cool, that's brilliant. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> both of us, yeah, because I think nowadays it's like with streaming it with both of us, it's like a pack deal. You know, in a way, you can't have one without the other because you know there are sometimes I could be streaming on my own channel, and you know, Chris could be popping his head over. <laughs> the sofa and stuff and just like hi and the yeah, same I, for... I hand you a bowl of food or something yeah yeah pretty much and then it could be the same <laughs> on his side when he's streaming i could just pop up on screen and just be like hey. <laughs> and just throw the uh, bulldog plush yeah and throw the bulldog plush at your face or something and just be like hey anyway you got a dog and i just run off so <laughs> yeah it's it's more more and more i kind of feel that our type of streaming, our brand of streaming, so to speak, is 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 uh is better together for sure. Mm. Stepping back from what the pair of you guys do, um, and just looking at the, the the medium of of streaming, I mean there are different providers for it, but Twitch is the place to be. I mean, 
YouTube has tried to do a lot more with sort of live stuff, but Twitch is the platform that people gravitate to because it's it's got the audience. It's, it's like if you're going to use a search engine, you're going to use Google, aren't you, before you go to DuckDuckGo or whatever. <laughs> um, do you have any concerns because obviously twitch a couple of years ago still was very much that sort of wild west mentality where pretty much anything goes and you had quite a lot of controversy and people that exploited that and then sooner or later someone sits up and takes notice and now slowly over time rules and regulations are getting putting in place and you know not that you guys ever do anything controversial and you certainly don't do anything sort of hateful or anything like that but does it concern you that um you you, you might find that for inclusion of music or something like that or or, or because you had a picture of henry kissinger on the wall behind <laughs> you copyright's been flagged and you next thing you know you, you, some of your recordings have been taken down do, do you keep an eye on that aspect the fact that the, the medium is always being regulated changed and might not always be a, a free platform well, yeah, I mean, that's that's to be expected. I can't really say I'm surprised by, you know, Twitch getting so large that it needs to regulate itself. Yeah. That's that's always going to be it. That was always going to be a thing. And personally speaking, one of my favorite forms of streaming was to play Farming Simulator with 80s music in the background. I can't do that anymore, which <laughs> is upsetting, sure, but there's other stuff I could do or can do or have been doing that doesn't involve that kind of thing. So you, you kind of... You just you just adjust. You don't have to rage against the machine. It is a machine. It's a yeah. big machine. It's getting bigger every day, and you just kind of you just adapt, man. That's that's, that's how it is. That's how uh, that's literally the that's how it's been in in radio forever and ever. You just need to change with how audiences and times and thoughts and regulations move. It's that's it's not a big deal. Yeah, there are a couple of times where I had maybe one or two licensed music on, but I'd never seen the video get taken down, more or less just having the audio chopped off to saying that it has hit a copyright because this music was involved and this, that, and the other. So it is a bit of a shame for those who may have missed the previous streams and such where they wanted to catch up on and they think, oh, wait a minute, nope, it's music. Why is it so it's muted out so... This is a fight that the music industry has been having with the internet since Napster. I mean, you know, it's... The halcyon days of Napster. Oh, yes, yes, indeed. And then when Napster got too big, LimeWire. And then when LimeWire got too ah, big... Ah, LimeWire. <laughs> Memories. <laughs> what are they going to do next? We don't know. We, we're always careful with our music and such, so... And if we do have music on, maybe we'll slap on just on the corner just to say... Here's what the music is. It's owned by this company, you know. So in a way, we're still helping out those and giving support to the musicians and the artists. You can make it a gag too, if like an accidental licensed song comes out, you're like, oh, no, 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 you know, just kind of like turn it into a a, a big to do. Like you know, it, it would be, it suddenly becomes yeah. entertaining. <laughs> it's it's kind of it becomes a moment. So you know, you could you could either get angry at it or you Roll could just you know, yeah. Play around, yeah, roll with the punches, it. and just have a laugh of it. That's what I see, does. What are your plans this year? Because y you're now moving forward with a 
channel, which is the pair of you streaming together? Do you have a um, long-term strategy to um, fight a war on two fronts and push forward into Europe and pincer movement around Moscow? Or is it just you're making it up as you go along? Honestly, we didn't really plan this out to be completely. We just thought like, hey, you know what? Let's try it. And we had fun and we're continuing to have fun. So that's that's kind of all that I'm personally yeah. chasing. And I think we both are. It's just We're just chasing enjoyment. We're not really, we don't have a strategy necessarily. We'd like to do this for as long enjoy. as people yeah. tune in and enjoy. Yeah. Got any tips or advice to people who are sitting in the wings those people that lurk who sometimes occasionally say hi and who are harboring ambitions to do something similar, get online and, you know, put themselves out there and start talking to people. Got any sort of practical common sense ideas that you can share that will help them on their way? Yeah, I have one thing. Stream number one will always be a shit show. Yeah. No matter oh, what. absolutely. It yeah. will it will be a technical hellscape. You will forget to talk. You will just kind of go burr, ah, uh, uh, and and it'll just be derp loaded, and that's okay. You kind of need to adjust, watch yourself. You know, rewatch your 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 last broadcast, see what could be done, see what could be adjusted, what not can be improved, and maybe after about five or six casts, or even three or four that point you probably will have an idea of whether this is mentally something you want to do. And that's the important point. It's mental. It's, it's, it's totally a mental thing. You have to enjoy this. You have to really like sharing this sort of thing or find something that you enjoy putting out there, either yourself or your game type or, or a, com a combination of both. Uh, I would definitely say as well, if you're going into streaming, uh, because this is from someone who, with when beginning with vlogging, thought, oh, I could be the next YouTuber, this next uh, streamer, or this, that, and the other. Uh, after a while, it was like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh, don't do it for mainly trying to get the biggest subs, the views, or trying to be the next, I don't know, ninja or anyone like that. No, just enjoy having fun with what you do with streaming. And as Chris said, you know, the first few times you stream, it's going to be a bit of a crap show because you may have some blunders and this, that, and the other. As long as you can adapt and you can have fun, that's the main thing. Go into streaming for funds. Don't go into it, you know, like with a big goal to be the massive million viewer in two weeks' time. If you get there, you get there one day. But do it mainly for the fun. That's what I find. Enjoy yourself, have fun with it, and fun. <laughs> <laughs> Fun's good. Fun is good. Fun is fun is yeah, good. Fun is awesome. There you go. That's, that's... <laughs> you condensed it. You concentrated it into three words: fun, fun, and fun. <laughs> with an extra side helping of fun mm. with fun sauce and fun fries and a little bit of carbonated fun. Yeah. fun and carbonated fun uh, <laughs> that sounds like that's, that sounds like a comedy troupe somehow oh, uh, like like a sort of improv group we are carbonated fun oh that was another thing as well I know that a lot of people as well are thinking oh I need to have the best mic or the best webcam or the best program to start on streaming from the get go and stuff not the case 
absolutely not the case. It helps, but it's not a requirement. Like, and that's the thing. Yeah, it's. I have a a pretty heckin' nice mic and a pretty heckin' nice uh, webcam, but that's yeah. not necessarily the things that make me a, a streamer or even us a good streamer. We we uh, we cultivated over a bunch of practice and adjustment and getting things wrong, getting things right. What could be done Fun. better? What could be done hmm. differently? You know, just. Just just stick around with it and and uh, you know make do with what you've got. If you've if all you've got is uh, an ass laptop in terms of webcam and microphone, yeah. then so be it. Uh, the only the only real hardware requirement is whether your actual machine can handle the broadcast. Because uh, uh, frame rate is a uh, is is the real thing you have to care about when it comes to hardware. That's that's what you need to worry about the most. Everything else will come into place over time. Personally, I could say as well, if you are going to do it from like a laptop or from a computer and stuff, when you're trying to stream it online, I would strongly suggest uh, Wi-Fi is good and all, but it doesn't hurt to have an Ethernet cable as standby. Mm-hmm. Because they and, make... there's, and there's guides out there for those hardware-related stuff. Oh, yeah. You know, there's, there's a Twitch even has its own little general guides for what you want what where your settings ought to be and in terms of your machine and your program and stuff like that this it's there's resources and as a community as well i love that the community can help each other out because a couple of times with streaming i'm like okay my video is delayed to my game can anyone suggest what i need to do and people would flood in to say oh have you tried doing this or have you tried tweaking this i suggest using this program the amount of people that come into offer advice and suggestion it's fantastic must admit i i do have a tendency to focus sometimes on the preparation the plan that sometimes i'm more enamored with the plan it's like right i'm gonna do this okay so we need a template and we need some graphics and we need oh we'll go to fiverr and we'll get someone to design a really funky logo okay we need some really good unique music that really sounds appropriate and you spend all this time bringing these logistical elements together and then when you've got them all in person, it's like, right, okay, go, go, go. And the, and the light goes green and you're on. And it's like, I ain't got anything to say now. <laughs> <laughs> it is. And you don't know that until you actually press the button. That's the thing. Like, and, and, and that's, it's okay. It's okay to fall into that trap. Just don't overdo it or don't overextend it. Like, like you're saying about, you know, worrying about all the logistics and, and burning cash, time and energy on, getting stuff that's not necessary that's not the graphics are nice they're fun they're good to watch and stuff like that but that's ultimately not what makes your stream the point you are the point you are ultimately the mm-hmm. focus although if you do have your laundry drying on a clothes horse move it out of frame actually we don't do that <laughs> uh, so... oh, no. <laughs> Just... our apartment is crap it's so we don't want to no no this is the thing i really do like about um a a lot of live streams it's like you know never mind what they're saying it's like all right what memorabilia have they got on the shelf (laughs) oh yeah i mean there is this weird compulsion to have a bunch of nerdly things behind you it's it's kind of odd i never understood that we we literally i almost feel like if we do get into a larger apartment we should have this clothes rack immediately behind us anyway even though we would have an office just to kind of 
<laughs> like that's our backdrop. People have green screens or they have shelves of nerdy things. We have a clothesline. I mean, figuratively <laughs> and literally, we don't mind uh, showing you guys our dirty laundry. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much what it is. <laughs> Final question. Have you ever had any crazy people on? And don't say me. <laughs> yeah, apart from me. Have you any amusing anecdotes about the time a crazy person came to your channel and it's like, okay, how do we discreetly get rid of them? I've never actually experienced that myself. No, I don't think we have in our channel. I don't either. really think so. I mean, once in a while, what a. There was one person who was trying to talk some mess and like we just kind of like ignored him. You know, that's. Okay. It's like, all right, Bye. that's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Look, Pokemon. Yeah. Nice what you're saying, but no. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no. Just move on with the Go rest away. of your day no. like you would any other, you know, psychopath screaming on the corner of the street. You know, just, just whatever is whatever. Right. Where can the listeners find you? Tell us all about your channel, what various social media platforms you use, promote yourselves. Jamie, you go first. I go first? Oh, goodness me. Then I would definitely say there's three social medias that you can find me on YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. So YouTube being with the daily vlogs, which is youtube.com forward slash Jamie's Vlog UK. Twitter then is obviously at Welsh underscore Fox. And then my personal Twitch channel then, which is under the same name, Welsh underscore Fox. And uh, personally speaking, I'm uh, on Twitter at Wolfie's Eyes, W-O-L-F-Y-S-E-Y-E-S. Um, Nestle's makes the very best chocolate. Um, <laughs> there you go, a little old reference for you. Um, I primarily do streaming as part of our joint channel, which is twitch.tv slash wolf and fox streams. And I am also a member of the massively overpowered stream team, OPTV. Uh, that can be found at twitch.tv slash massively overpowered. And also at their website at massivelyop.com. You'll be able to find all the times that the stream team goes live, along with all sorts of other MMO and MMORPG related articles and news and amazing pieces. Thanks very much indeed the pair of you for joining me on this episode of Contains Moderate Power. Greatly appreciate having you on the show. I always have an amazing time here, Roger. Seriously, I I, I love your podcast. I love it. Yay! <laughs> well, that wraps up this episode of the Contains Moderate Peril podcast, the first episode of 2019. I'd like to thank Brian, Jamie, and Chris once again for their participation. We hope you enjoyed the show. We will be back in the not-too-distant future with another exciting instalment. Until then, thank you very much indeed for listening, and goodbye. You've been listening to Contains Moderate Peril. For more information, visit ContainsModeratePeril.com and follow us on Twitter at Moderate Peril.